0: Hello and welcome to the Raven Hill Roundup, the Ulster Rugby Fan Podcast with your hosts Jamie and Lewis. So let's get right into this week's episode. Hello and welcome back after a little bit longer of an absence. We are back to talk about everything Ulster. Not the best performance this week, but still worthy to talk about. We're also going to talk about the big news, the contract signings and those yet to come. As well as the other games from the Champions Cup. So before we get into this, let me remind you to follow us on Instagram. We post on there all the time giving you all the latest news and information around Ulster Rugby and the podcast as well as our TikTok post videos over there and our Twitch which you might have caught the watch along to the Leinster game on last week. There's more of them that come throughout the rest of the season as well as gameplay from Rugby 22. You can listen to us on on Spotify and Amazon Music. So head on over there and give us a follow on the platforms. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode of Raven Hill Roundup. Right, Lewis, so Ulster getting defeated in the Champions Cup round of 16 by Leinster. Leinster winning the game 30 to 15. What were your thoughts on Ulster's performance and the game overall?
1: Yeah well firstly Jamie just want to say I was at the game and it was an absolutely incredible atmosphere uh, from both sets of fans trying to give their team an advantage. Both teams must have found it extremely tough in the conditions as well. A uh, really wet and windy night and not the type of night for running rugby. Obviously 10 around 10,000 Ulster fans down, so the fan zones before were amazing uh, and just a great away support from the guys. Um, For me, I think Ulster gave it 100% effort. Um, They were trying their absolute best but maybe just 5% off their best performance and when you're coming up against probably the best and top club in world rugby at this stage you need to be at 100% in terms of both your physicality and your game plan which is something that I think Ulster struggled with. I thought we had some good moments in the game, Um, we won 2 or 3 really good penalties early on, Uh, obviously the first try a super kick and gather from Stockdale and then the crossfield kick from Burns. Uh, ...allowing Hume to run in, in the corner... ...I thought it was a really well executed try... ...and I think actually last week on the podcast... ...we talked about where have the crossfield kicks gone... ...from Burns that we were doing the year before... ...and um, good to see them, (laughs) maybe they've been listening... ...and good to see one coming in... ...and then of course the mole try as well... ...in one of our few entries to Leinster's 22... ...and honestly we didn't get much of an opportunity... ...to use our mole in the entire game... But Leinster couldn't actually deal with our maul the one or two times we used it. So, um, you know, that was some of the good moments in the game. And I think that was our 15th maul try of the season. And obviously Herring getting over once again um, with a very well-deserved try. Um, unfortunately, I think our general in-game play was really poor at times. Passing too slow off the rocks, um, so many dropped balls, which is obviously understandable in the conditions. Um, you know, losing our own scrums and lineouts, uh, just getting out-muscled in those areas. But those are opportunities that you simply can't throw away if you want to win down there. And, of course, two yellow cards as well, so down to 14 men for 20 minutes of the game. And that makes it so much more difficult to win down there. And I think some of the issues from last week that we talked about against the Bulls that we said needed to be resolved for this week weren't really fixed. In terms of some of our kicking to Leinster's back three was pretty poor at times giving them free ball to run back. It just allowed the Leinster back three plenty of time and space. I think Laurie had a really tough night. He took some uh, kicks to him really well but in terms of his kicking I think he it's not a strong point in his game at fullback and he probably struggled at the amount of times in the first half Leinster were kicking to him obviously as well 15 penalties conceded which was over double Leinsters and that was something that was really noticeable in the game just how many penalties we were given away and sometimes in key positions where you know we have a good attacking opportunity um, or we're defending really well and we just get ourselves caught offside or Blocking the rock and some easy decisions for the referee to give penalties against Ulster and six penalties conceded in the first thirty three minutes, which again you're just giving Leinster that platform to get a foothold into the game and show their dominance. Um, But for me, I think there were some good performances. Obviously, we'll talk about players, but I thought Jacob Stockdale had a good game. Rob Herring had a good game, um, amongst maybe a couple of others. But overall, I just thought Leinster were dominant and they were by far the better team. I thought Ryan Baird for them was super. Uh, Jack Conan as well. I thought Gibson Park and Ross Byrne controlled the game really well. Just not allowing Ulster to get back into it and not allowing them to get a foothold in the game. And they were squeaky clean-like. They barely missed a tackle all game, not giving us access to their 22. And... As well, um, in terms of their carries, very few dropped balls, very few missed kicks, straight into touch or anything like that, and that allowed them to keep so much possession and, um, win the territorial battle as well. So overall, Jimmy, tough result, but um, it was a it was a good uh good afternoon down in Dublin. Just uh, disappointing to lose.
0: Well, uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed Dublin. Uh, it wasn't too good up here. Just watching it, we didn't get that atmosphere. We'd just seen Ulster not playing their game. And that's what it came down to for me. You know, the, Ulster didn't play their game. Didn't have the chance to. Leinster completely controlled the game. And pushed Ulster in the territory that they didn't want to be in. And I think that that's where your penalties were coming from. You know, a lot of them were silly mistakes that i think just came with the pressure you know a a lot of the penalties were um within our own five meter and a lot of the time it was offsides or hands in the rock and and things like that just silly mistakes that you shouldn't be making because you know it's going to cost you when you do and um that all came to your head just after the the Second half started, you know. Whenever the ref said he had had enough and gave Hume the yellow card for uh, not supporting himself in the ruck, and to be fair, I don't think that that yellow card really changed anything in the game. Um, Leinster still played their game, but you know we just weren't weren't as effective. For a change, we actually used the backs though um, in a game that I would probably say maybe don't, it did kind of work, you know, Hume's try was beautiful, it, it's Ulster's try of the season for me, it's something that we haven't done in ages and so refreshing and that brings you on the sort of Stockdale's game in, in general, he sort of started the the move for it and he was really the only solid player uh, for me, you know, I think only thing that you really done wrong was a skewed kick um, and even at that you know it would sort of just get it away. Um, I thought kicking in general was pretty decent compared to what it has been especially whenever it became the kicking game and it was just you know back lines kicking each other for uh, a bit in the game but ultimately we rely relying on moments and it that doesn't win you a game, especially against, like you were saying Lewis the, the best team in club rugby at the minute really um, you know, there was no real physicality, it wasn't building play by play, it was you know, a mall, which yes we are amazing at and it worked out one of the times you know, they get Rob in the try and then uh, the box kick, the Hume, it, it's a moment. We didn't play the whole game. We were just playing and relying on them moments to try and break through Leinster's impeccable defence, really. You know, they didn't really put a foot wrong in it. And we were constantly putting our foot wrong whenever you take into account that we had a total of 15 penalties, which is something that we critiqued so much during the season and we said you can't be having all of these penalties and then in the biggest game of the season you go you know what we're gonna we're gonna have a wee slip here and we're gonna go back to the old ways of giving away loads of penalties. Like you were saying thirty minutes it was seven penalties. Six or seven, six or seven penalties. You know, and uh getting to the half then it turned into ten and you know they did pull it back in for the second half you know they only had five penalties which is big whip hooray Um, but we just didn't play we didn't carry too well you know the majority of our metres came from the back line um, and it just shows that Linster were comfortable knowing we weren't going to pressure them too much that they can just get the kick off um, we're not going to do anything with it because they were the only ones making the yards. As soon as they came to that, uh, you know, first or second tackle, they were dying and Ulster done nothing with it. You know, turning it over most of the time or giving a a free kick away. But I will say, generally, defending was much better. You know, we had talked about clean breaks. We don't have enough clean breaks, and we let people through too much for breaks. Um, but fortunately, in this game, that did turn around, and there weren't any clean breaks for Leinster, which is you know it's it's something unheard of in this Ulster team this season. But that was a a short glimpse, I guess, of what could have happened if that fire in the attack could have kicked in. It would have been such a different game if if the physicality came out and um. You know, not the takeaway, like you are saying, Rob Heron did have a really good game and uh, especially that have to come back on for an injured Tom Stewart basically straight away was, you know, and still keep that performance level up was great. Um, But we didn't play our game and I think that that's ultimately what cost us, you know, with will let Leinster play theirs.
1: Yeah 100% and obviously we talked so much about how we wanted Ulster to use the backline more against Leinster and try and stretch them and hopefully that would make a big difference but I think it was very tough in those conditions. Um, You know the rain was absolutely lashing down for the majority of the game. I don't think it stopped raining throughout the entire game and that makes it very difficult to play expansive rugby in terms of spreading the ball wide. And you saw that with the amount of handling errors from Ulster, and they, they did struggle with the conditions, I think, at times. Um, I don't know if it was a bit slippy underfoot as well in terms of the scrums and things like that, but you could see that they were struggling, and maybe they did try to carry a bit more through the forwards and play more of a kicking game, which didn't really suit... Um, because Leinster have two wingers and a fullback who are also very good in the air, and that's not to say that we weren't good in the air. I think Stockdale was. I think Laurie took some really nice kicks, but a lot of the box te- box kicks were taken really well by Leinster as well. James Lowe, Hugo Keenan, um, and I think it was Dave Carney on the other wing as well. No, sorry, it was Jordan Larmer who actually, yeah, he actually took some really nice high balls as well. And it just wasn't an area of the game where we could get a real advantage over Leinster. And you know, when they were able to take those balls, they were keeping the ball really well. They were going through the phases, putting Ulster under a lot of pressure and it's one of the reasons that they give away so many penalties. The sheer pressure of trying to stop them from making line breaks and it just led to players being offside um, in terms of their line speed. And you know, players getting stuck in the rock and things like that. And a few times, Leinster right on our five metre line and just trying their absolute best to keep them out from scoring a try. And that pressure, with so many big carriers, the likes of Tag Furlong, Ryan Baird, uh, Jack Conan amongst Dan Sheenan, you know, you could name near enough the entire Leinster forward pack. And it's just so much pressure to try and keep them out and all... For me overall Ulster just couldn't do it, they, they were unable to match Leinster physically and I was saying to you before we started Jimmy that there wasn't really a point in the game where you think Ulster are dominant here, they can go on to win this game and you know that's that made the difference in the end, Leinster were more physical, uh, they won the line out and the scrum battle and I think that made all the difference for them getting the foothold in the game and being dominant throughout.
0: I, I completely agree with you you know uh, whenever you're talking there I'm just looking at the the stats of each player you pointed out Jack Conan uh, he was a big standout for Linster in that physical battle um, he had 20 carries in the game and he I think all the time he was pressuring the line and, and driving the ball up and then you compare that to um Vermeulen. Who is one of our best players? Only having three carries, you know it shows how little possession Ulster had, and uh, and the fact that they weren't really playing physical. It was uh out to the backs, like you were saying, and but not to take away from um the play of of, of Linster in general. You know, it they are the the best team and. In Europe at the minute anyway. And they probably will go on to win the competition. Um, but like you are saying. Their back line. You know. They. I think they. Shared the burden more. Than Ulster did. You know. We're, we're pointing out. Um, Laurie and Stockdale is having. Pretty, uh, pretty decent games. But. We're not talking about. Balakin Because. You rarely seen him. I don't think he, he got involved too much and no fault of his own, but it was just they kicked it back to Laurie, he ran, or they kicked it back to Laurie, passed it the Stockdale and he kicked kind of thing. Um where, you know, we're talking about Hugo Keenan, we're talking about uh Jordan Larmer and James Lowe together where I think you're pointing out individuals in the Ulster team more than you are in that Leinster team and that's the difference at the end of the day.
1: Yeah and like you say it's one of the things that Leinster do so well um, and it's one of the things that makes them such a great team in terms of starving teams of possession, not giving them ball or opportunity to attack you and you saw that with Ulster only having three entries to the Leinster 22 in the entire game and obviously you only have three entries to the 22, you're not going to have many opportunities to score tries and there was a couple of times we were in attacking positions, we had a line out and um, it was maybe a per throw or uh, poorly timed from the lifters and obviously when you get into those positions you have to score, you have to come away with points because you're not going to get many of them in the game and you know we did in a couple of occasions but I feel like we needed more entries to the 22, we needed to have more platform to attack them, uh, and that was the only way we were going to be able to get more points, because as we were saying, Leinster were squeaky clean, they weren't giving away many penalties, especially in dangerous positions for Ulster, so it wasn't like we were going to be able to get a number of kicks and start to eat away, at this, take little bites out of the scoreboard. we were really going to have to throw everything at them and get into the corner and get a few tries and we were just unable to do that. Um, for me, Jimmy as well, I think Gibson Park and Byrne controlled the game really well. Um, I don't think Doke and Burns really were able to control the game as well. Uh, would you agree with that, do you think?
0: Yeah, you know, um, we we critiqued Doak uh, the week before saying he was too slow and um didn't get the ball out or, you know, was sort of messing about a bit where we thought Koney would have done a better job and should have came on earlier and that's the exact same situation this time. And I think the faults of Burns and Doke um this week just heightened the not the hype but heightened the look of the performance of um the, the Leinster players, um, Gibson Park and uh, Burn, you know that was probably just a run of the mill game for them but because whenever you looked at their counterparts on the other team it looked like they were gods in comparison you know, didn't, not putting a foot wrong and knowing exactly where they wanted to place that ball or the exact play they wanted to do and I don't think that uh, Duke and Burton had that in them this week, and um, especially whenever like we're talking, you know they're they're Ulster trying to play out to the backs more. If you don't have that play in your head or where that ball is going to go in your head straight away, especially for the scrum half when they arrive at that rock, if you don't go right, I'm passing to this person in my head as soon as I get there, you're slowing the play down and. you're know you not going to catch out or you're not going to catch the slips. You're letting your opposition get set up and get ready for whatever play you're going to run. And I think that that's probably the big difference in the the two number nines and tens this week.
1: Yeah, 100% agree. And as well, I think there were a number of times where the ball was at the back of the rock with Doak and he maybe t- took a minute to have a look to the left, have a look to the right, see what was going to be the best way to go. And by the time he had actually done that, Leinster were starting to pile more numbers into the ruck and turn over the ball. And, you know, that that's the type of issues that you just can't have in a big game like this. You know, this is a Heineken Champions Cup last 16 game. You need to have that speed at the back of the ruck, getting the ball out quickly. Don't give Leinster the opportunity to get their massive forwards into the rock, uh, turn us over, and, you know, we all know that at the moment Leinster have bigger and stronger forwards than Ulster, you see that in the teams for Ireland, even in the Six Nations, and having the likes of Porter, Sheehan and Furlong uh, in that front row, as well as the strength in their second and back row, you know, They're just gonna be stronger in um, them rock situations and the only way Ulster can deal with that is by having quick ball and getting it out before Leinster have the opportunity to turn them over. And unfortunately, right from the start really we give them too much time and too much opportunity. And obviously when they're making so little mistakes, we don't really have the opportunity to get over the ball and turn it over. And You know, I think that's something as well we talked about last week in the team selection. I would have liked to see Marcus Ray start because we know how good he is at those turnovers, getting over the ball. And I don't think we really had anyone in the back row who was getting the opportunity too often to get over the ball and make a good turnover. And that was an area that Ulster probably struggled in. I know we chatted a bit last week about our predicted team. Were you a bit shocked, Jimmy, when the team came out? Or was it sort of similar to what you were expecting? So
0: yeah, um, majority of my predicted lineup was the same. Um, the only differences I had were I thought Tom Stewart would have started just because of the form that he's on, but I understand going with Heron. You know the the experience he has, and he played phenomenally. Um, whenever in in the situations and I think he's uh, adapted to the game well. So I completely understand the change and you know, it definitely worked well. I know that you had Rob Heron and rather than Stuart. Um and then my only other difference was I thought that he, he would Dan McFarland would have started Cooney. You know, they just because of once again the experience, you know, Cooney's a star player for Ulster and you leave him out of the biggest game of the season and it, it's starting to sort of get to me a bit why is he getting left out so much in favour of Duke Um, whenever he is one of your more experienced players and uh, has been at the team for as long as he has you know.
1: And top point scorer as well for Ulster this year I think a lot of people forget about that but he, he has been scored the most points for Ulster this season.
0: Yeah, um, like we were sort of have said before, um, Cooney's sorta of generally better at kicking uh the get the points rather than Doke. Um and that's another standard of play, you know, especially after Dokes poor performance last week, I thought that it was nailed on that you're getting Cooney this week. Um just because you needed that higher tempo and the experience, like I keep saying, um, would have brought that into it. And I think it would have, the game would have played very differently in terms of possession and play by play if Cooney was on the field for longer. Um, because I think the game did pick up a wee bit maybe towards the end for Ulster. Um, but for the majority, it was just sort of very slow and, you know, not really knowing where you're going and ultimately that comes down near number nine. Also I had different um I had Tamang Allen uh, on my lineup and I think that that would have been another big change in the game. He's been on flying form and has massive carries and I don't think Tom O'Toole had that same ferocity. Uh, in his game, and you know he didn't have the best of game. He, he collapsed the scrum a couple of times, and um, I think that he, I think that you would have been better going for Tamangal on, on the form that he's in and what he's been offering the team. You know, obviously Tom O'Toole is an Ireland player and um, and featured a couple of times in the Six Nations, and is a, a big player for the team. But I think you should have went for Tamang Allen on the form that he's on and I think he's a bit more physical as well which would have helped against such a physical Linster side.
1: Yeah 100% agree I 100% thought Tamang Allen was a nailed on starter for this week with his form going into the game and you know even just how the fans have uh, bought into how he plays and yeah, strength in the scrum is big physical carries which I think would have been a big advantage over um, over Leinster but I don't know maybe if it was the thinking of Dan McFarland that obviously Tom O'Toole being in Ireland camp and maybe had a little bit of inside information of how his op- opposite number played how he could maybe get an advantage in the scrum over um, the likes of Andrew Porter but yeah, for me, I think I would have had Tamanga Allen in there. But obviously, we can talk all day about what we would have had and what we could have had. Um, obviously, I think the players on the pitch were what counted. And I think just, out, like we said at the start, out-muscled. Uh, Leinster's physicality was better, and that was one of the main differences in the end.
0: Well, I think that Dan McFarnham realised his mistake with Tom O'Toole because he brought him off at half time. Um with a couple of other changes, uh sorta of towards the half to try and uh bring a bit of life into the team and to Mangal was one of them and the second half was definitely better. So but like you're saying, you know, hindsight is a hindsight? Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty and, you know, we can talk all day about what we
1: would have done, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. Just as well, I thought, coming from the bench, I thought Harry Sheridan, when he did come on quite early in the second half, I thought he had quite a big impact. Uh, Obviously, he got that yellow card, which will have been disappointing for him. Um, you know, Just a simple mistake by a young player, but I think that some of his carries were really big and physical when he came on, and that probably made a little bit of a difference to Ulster's pack. Made them look a little bit more dominant and hopefully he can get a little bit more game time uh, as the season goes on. Just another thing I wanted to ask you, Jamie. Obviously, Billy Burns went off with quite a nasty uh, head injury in the game and we, we were a bit critical of his performance in terms of how he controlled the game. We've just seen that Flannery has signed a new deal, which we'll have a chat about, but Would you like to see Flannery start to get some more game time in this latter part of the season uh, with a full strength squad or do you think it's a little bit risky coming into these last couple of games and then obviously into the knockout rounds as well?
0: I think you could bring him the, the games, not necessarily start him in them because Burns has been consistently good throughout the whole season and this is sort of just a slip up game more than anything um, I think that Burns is a crucial part of that team and whenever it's so tight they try and push for that second place in these last two games and then you're in the one shot games they keep progressing I think you need to go for that steady hand who knows the team and knows how everyone in that team plays more than throwing in a, uh, a young player in the deep end kind of thing in such a crucial point of the season the you know, give him a few more minutes. Um, I think that having him on the bench maybe and then sort of second half, bring him on and uh test the waters and then you never know, you might get an easier draw. Um going in the quarters, or going in the semis. um, And you might see a a play there if he plays well off the bench. But I would definitely stick with Burns. I think that this week was more just a slip-up and just an off day for him. Maybe the pressure getting to him more than anything.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I agree or not, to be honest. I'm kind of undecided on on this sort of matter, because for me... When you look at the previous out halves we have, even looking back to the likes of Ian Humphreys, Paddy Jackson, and um, even young players that came in and played in the position, you know there were always such a big point in the game. Um, you know, these big moments they produced, and it made a huge difference for Ulster. And I'm just not sure that Burns really produces those big moments that a top team needs you think of players like Johnny Sexton, and it's a player you always mention in the game, how well he controls it, uh, some amazing passes, and obviously impeccable kicking as well, and it's, I'm just unsure, and I think a lot of Ulster fans are quite unsure, whether or not Billy Burns brings that, but obviously, we said, we talked about last week, that he played really well against the Bulls, he brought the ball to the line, um, you know, putting the Bulls defence under a lot of pressure so like you say Jimmy maybe it was a case of this week just a lot of pressure on him from really fast uh, Leinster line speed and maybe that just made the difference to his game in the end
0: Also I think the way that Ulster play um, you know it isn't necessarily about your backs having creative play and uh, well not, not creative play but sort of Not like outrageous or that kind of style that you were saying. You know, we are a forward-focused team, and I think that Burns offering that consistency of getting the pass to where it needs to be, the you know, link up the play, uh, I think, is an important part of Ulster's game that I
1: would keep him in for. But as well, do you think that we should be staying with that forwards game, or should we be moving back to toward a? You know we have so many dangerous backs that can cause a lot of teams serious issues, and we saw a couple of years ago our backline was scoring tries for fun. Looking back at the big games in Toulouse over away in Northampton, some massive games where the backline was causing havoc to teams. Uh, this year we've moved to a really, really predominant forwards game and maul game. Um, but would you like to see more of a mixture or a move back towards? an expansive backline game or do you think we just need to progress in areas to make sure we're dominant in both areas?
0: I would like to see more play in the back but to get the backs to the level of involvement that I think that most people want to see you need the summer you need the off season to really work with everyone and make sure that that play can happen and have a really strong sort of couple of weeks where all you're focused on is that transition in the playing into the backs rather than, you know, sort of doing it into this post-season period where I think you need to go for what works for your team now rather than trying out new things. I know that sort of sounds uh, a bit standoffish, but, you know, the forwards are working, you know, it's, it's one of the best packs in the league, especially scoring-wise. Um so I think even if you play maybe similar the how the backs kinda played this week and the week before, um where they were getting a wee bit of uh play out and then sort of using it to break up just that full forward press. I think maybe bring that in a bit more into the postseason and then really work on integrating
1: that play once again in the off season so Jimmy that was a good discussion about the big match but let's have a look at some of the other matches in the Heineken Champions Cup from the round of 16 in the last 16 Leicester made it through to the quarterfinals beating Edinburgh 16 points to six Unfortunately as we are recording this uh, their quarterfinal has been played and they have just been beaten by Leinster 55 points to 24 so they are now out of the Heineken Champions Cup but looking at the other games that have not been played yet in the quarterfinals in the last 16 the Sharks beat Munster in South Africa 50 points to 35 and in their time in the competition the Stormers beaten Harlequins in a Tighter than maybe most expected game. They won 32 points to 28. Um, La Rochelle beat Gloucester 29 points to 26 in another really tight game. And probably the game of the weekend for me, Exeter and Montpellier. The game finished 33 all after extra time. And Exeter moving through to the quarterfinals on most tries scored. Toulouse with an easy win at home over the Bulls they won 33 points to 9 and finally Saracens beaten the Ospreys 35 points to 20 and the other quarterfinals to come up this weekend Toulouse against the Sharks is on Saturday at 3pm, Exeter against the Stormers at half past 5 and La Rochelle against Saracens in a massive clash on Sunday. At 3 o'clock as well.
0: And now on to a bit of Ulster news. Very busy week at the Kingspan and Ulster uh, Rugby Club in general. With a lot of contract signings happening the past week. So we're going to talk about who signed, who hasn't. Who's still to sign uh, and have a wee discussion on it all. So the first three uh, that came this week were Eric O'Sullivan... Greg Jones and Shea O'Brien have all signed extensions. Um, What did you think about these? Do you think that you would have given them all contracts or maybe uh, let a few leave?
1: Yeah, so probably for me two of them were, I would say, near enough a guarantee in terms of Eric O'Sullivan who has been key in our scrum, key in our carry and You know, a really good young up-and-coming player who, for me, I think is just going to get better and better uh, as his career goes on. He has shown um, that he can perform in some of the big games and he's performed against some, you know, big opposite numbers and against big teams. So I certainly think he was one that we needed to get signed up for the coming seasons. Shea O'Brien, for me as well, uh, obviously hasn't had... I don't think he's had any game time in the professional season for Ulster this year. However, you know, a player that we've just signed this season and again, I think he's someone with a lot of talent and someone who, for me, is going to play probably a key role for Ulster in the coming years, hopefully. And, you know, I think that was another good one to get over the line. In terms of Greg Jones, um, he was possibly one that I could have seen leaving in terms of he is more of a squad player than anyone who would be a first name in the twenty-three day match match day squad, and it, he's not somebody who I would have expected to sign on. He doesn't get a huge amount of game time, and I don't think he's one of Ulster's better back rowers. And I don't. I think we have more talent probably coming through the academy and through the younger players, the likes of Sheridan, McCann, amongst many others coming through that I probably would have said because of these guys he wouldn't have got a contract extension. However, um, Dan McFarland and the rest of the team have clearly uh, decided that they think he's worth one and fingers crossed he can start getting into the team a bit more and putting in some big performances. Moving on to the next three which were announced on Tuesday. Andrew Warwick uh, David McCann and Ben Moxham all signed on with Ulster for another two years. So, what were your thoughts on them three signing on, Jimmy?
0: I expected all three of them to sign. Um, Andrew, Andy, work. Um, he's been in and out of the squad a wee bit, but he's still a, a top player and definitely useful to the team. And you know, we've still seen this season um what he can do and how. You crucial to the team he, he can be. Um in terms of David McCann. Um you know, he he's been playing really well and especially in the second row, um he's sort of starting to take that place to his own now. Um and he's definitely a player that you will see continue on in, in Ulster in my opinion. And the exact same for Ben Moxham. You know, he's only really got is Place in the squad in the latter half of the season, but he's making a fight for it, and you know you can see that that talent is there in him, and I'm I'm excited for him the to, to stay in the team and keep progressing, and I think that all three of them signing especially the two years, I think is perfectly timed for work, um, and then obviously I, I would imagine that. McCann and Moxham will will stay on. Then, in the next series of signings, we had John Andrew, uh, Callum Reid and Aaron Sexton signing on for another two seasons. What do you think about these signings?
1: Yeah, so for me, again, another three that was 100% expected from most Ulster fans, I would say. John Andrew obviously provides really good cover at Hooker for the likes of Rob Herring and Tom Stewart who's now flew through the ranks and these are two guys who you would expect to be away with Ireland a number of times for the World Cup and upcoming Six Nations so I think he's really good cover, he's got the experience there, we know he scores a lot of tries off the back of mauls as well as the other guys so I think he is one that you would near enough have nailed on to be remaining with Ulster. Uh, Callum Reid as well another young and upcoming prop that clearly has a lot of talent and clearly the coaching staff have a lot of time for and he's another one that I think in the years to come is going to grow into the squad and hopefully become a, a key member and you know push for that starting place and then of course Aaron Sexton has had a few injuries this year and hasn't maybe had as much time in the team that a lot of fans would have expected in his development path. However, we know how quick he is out in the wing and how much damage he can cause. I think he scored a try a few weeks ago. I can't remember who it was against, but um, again, another young up-and-coming player that I think in the coming years is going to grow into the squad and hopefully become uh, a key part of it. And then moving on, yesterday we had another three signings Angus Curtis, Luke Marshall, and Jake Flannery all committed their future to Ulster as well. So, Jamie, what did you think about those ones?
0: Well, I, you know, definitely signings that need to happen. uh, For the most part, you know, I think Curtis hasn't really been a big part of the squad this season, but um, he's still still young, and he's has that ability the the break in again and I think that you can see with how much that Ulster team is changing that he can get back in. You know, Luke Marshall is standout for for Ulster, um, played amazing for Ireland as well. So great to see him sign on uh, once again and commit the Ulster. And Jake Flannery, you know, we were talking about him a bit earlier. Um potential for him to break through and potentially take a burn spot and fight for it going in the end of the season next season so giving him that time with a contract extension um, definitely sits, and I think it gives him that time to develop in uh, what is a good upcoming squad and of course we had the big news today all over social media Everywhere, Stockdale and Cooney signing for another two years with Ulster, two massive signings. What do you think about them?
1: Massive, Jamie. Absolutely huge, and especially seeing Cooney sign on for another two years. When I saw it today on my phone and work, it just brought a massive smile to my face. And there was, you know, we've had so many rumors over the last few weeks and months that. Is he going to be moving to Scotland to uh, pursue opportunity there? Obviously getting on a little bit in his career and not getting the opportunity with Ireland. However, he is one of the best players for Ulster in this squad and keeping him is absolutely crucial and you know, thankfully Ulster have managed to do it. And I think a huge part of it has been played by the fans in their support of him and their show of love for him since Ruan Pienaar left all them years ago. And Like I say, it's it's just absolutely massive to have him for another two years and hopefully it can uh, commit to Ulster's um, pathway for success. And then Stockdale, of course. Um, This was a signing that was expected. I think everybody expected him to stay. The main difference here is he is no longer on an IRFU central contract. He is now on an Ulster contract for two years. So that's obviously money that um Ulster have to take on board but I think it's money well spent especially when we've seen him the last few weeks and months come back from them couple of big injuries and start to get back on track and produce them massive performances and for me I think it's only a matter of time before he gets back to his best and you know hopefully he can get back to where he was in terms of being a standout winger in world rugby and producing some big big moments for ulster we also had some other big news this week and that is that Jordy murphy is retiring at the end of this season obviously a massive player for leinster ireland and more recently ulster and how good of a career has he had jimmy and uh you know how sad is it to see him go out? I don't think
0: it's you know it's sad to lose such a great player, but I think it is the time for him. If, if he wasn't the retire it would be the leave Ulster, um, because he hasn't been around the pitch too much, but not the take away from such a fantastic career at both club and uh, international level, such a massive figure in that Leinster team for so long and then helping Ulster in what was a crucial rebuild stage and they really get us uh, back to where we needed to be and consistent performances for Ireland and what a player he, he has been and is still so it, it's a sad loss but um, it's nice to see it it's nice to see it for our point of view at a time when we have good youth coming up that he's probably been working with uh training them up and uh can pass over some of the skills onto them
1: so if we also have a quick look at players who are still to resign we obviously know that Jordy murphy and rory sutherland will be leaving ulster at the end of this season but players who, whose futures are currently unknown include Tamanga Allen, Milicinovich, Sam Carter, Ian Henderson, a massive one, Dwayne Vermeulen, Rob Little, Craig Gilroy, Ian Madigan, Michael McDonald, and possibly Will Addison because in his last contract extension, it wasn't actually announced how long uh, an extension he was contracted for. However, we do believe that he is out of contract at the end of this season. Jamie, any big players there that you think we need to get re-signed ASAP or anyone you think that could be leaving at the end of this year?
0: You have to try and keep Tamang Allen uh, as much as possible. Whether he will or not, um, that's a or whether he wants to or not, that's a different question. Um I think that he's really been embraced by the fans and I would love even if it's just another year, um, I would love to see him stay. Ian Henderson is a must he you know, he's such a crucial part of our team and we need him uh, more than ever. You know, especially if like we we're saying we want um more more back play. Um he'll be a crucial part of it. I think for Mullen as well, I would love to see stay, but he is getting a bit older and, you know, um possibility he might retire or might want to go back to the the South Africa to finish off his um, career but I would love to see him stay even if it's just for another season I do think you could let either Little or Gilroy go um, I would probably only keep one of them I would be more in favour of Little I would also probably get rid of um Sam Carter and Milena Sinovic because they haven't been big impacts into the squad and they take up uh, one of the international spots so um, I, uh, not that I would like to see them leave I think that I think that it might better the team that maybe not re-sign them and uh, look at getting in some more international players that could make a bigger impact on the starting team. So before we go we'll have a wee look ahead to Osters next game Back into the URC, it is Ulsters versus the Dragons uh, this weekend, and it is at home once again. So, Dragons coming in the Ulsters territory—a um, very big losing streak, haven't won since the seventh round. Do you see a miraculous victory on the cuffs for the Dragons this weekend?
1: I think you'll be unsurprised to learn that I do not, um, and like you say, Dragons have only won three games all season actually, and I, for me, I, just, I think they're a squad that isn't really good enough at the moment to compete at the level of the URC. Obviously, Welsh Rugby in quite a poor place financially at the moment, and I think that's had a big impact on the Dragons, as well as the other Welsh clubs and the Dragons obviously being the weakest of them all at the moment and for me I think this is a big chance for Ulster to get back on track um, trying to finish the season strong before moving into the playoffs and yeah I think Ulster will go out to try and put the Dragons away and I could see a massive win here coming for Ulster, I don't see the Dragons causing too many upsets at all
0: I completely agree Uh, I expect a a simple game for Ulster and you know a, a big comeback um after such a defeat against Leinster and I think that this is a perfect time to have a game like this so uh, I expect all five points um whenever you take winning and bonus point obviously um as for score prediction I think I'm going to go for a I think it'll be the Ulster.
1: It's quite similar to what I had in my head, Jimmy. I'm going to go with 38-19. I think uh, the Dragons might get a couple of scores, but I don't think they'll cause Ulster any real issues, and I think it'll be a comfortable win for us in the end.
0: So that'll do us for this week's episode of the Ravenhill Roundup. Once again I would like to remind you to give us a follow on the Instagram as well as Spotify and Amazon Music. We are also on TikTok so head on over there and give us a wee follow and our Twitch. We did do a watch along last week and it's still up if you want to go back and relive that, that horrible game and we'll do more broadcast over there um over the coming weeks especially coming into the post game period and potentially some of the bigger games in the champions cup so thank you very much for listening once again and we will see you next week